welcome to I Am, I Have, brought to you by Happiful Magazine, Counselling Directory and the Happiful app. In this episode, we're talking to friend of Happiful, Johnny Benjamin MBE, about his charity beyond, his work with young people and his phenomenal new book, The Book of Hope, 101 Voices on Overcoming Adversity. Before we start today's episode, I wanted to encourage you to download the free Happiful app. With this, you'll be able to read daily articles, access Happiful magazine in its digital format, and search for mental health and well-being support in your area. Now, back to Johnny. I hope you enjoy this conversation, and we'd love it if you could rate, review, and share. It helps others to find us, and we read every comment you post. I'm so pleased to welcome Johnny Benjamin, MBE, award-winning mental health campaigner, film producer, public speaker, writer, vlogger, and co-creator of the phenomenal book, The Book of Hope, 101 Voices on Overcoming Adversity. Welcome, Johnny. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's nice to see you. We were just talking about when we can go back into the world and actually see people in person. Can't wait. So I've just given a brief overview of what you do, but perhaps you could introduce yourself in your own words and tell us what you think we should know about you. Yeah, I've I've been working in mental health for, well, like almost 10 years, actually. My big focus is youth mental health. So I've got a, a youth mental health charity called Beyond. That's my big, big kind of, yeah, focus at the moment. We're really trying to do a lot in schools in particular, schools and colleges. Obviously got the book as well, which uh, we've been working on for actually quite a few years. It's taken quite a few years to put the book together. But yeah, very excited to share it with people. And I just hope that it, I really hope it makes a difference. I really hope that people get something from it, hopefully. I think they will. And if there was every year that we needed hope, it's mm-hmm. this year. But right now we need hope. We, we hope that we can get out and see each other at some point in the future, but so much hope on, on so many other things because there's been so much uncertainties. Mm-hmm. Tell us a bit about the book before we get into your I Am. So it's 101 Voices mm-hmm. on Adversity. Tell us about what's in the book and, and how you came about the concept of it. Yeah, sure. Well, firstly, you're in the book, which is fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Uh, I guess I came up with the idea quite a few years ago now. I just wanted to put something together with different voices, all sharing how they have overcome difficult times and, yeah, found hope again. I always learn so much from hearing people, hearing other people's stories, hearing other people's journeys. That's the one thing over the years working in mental health, you know, getting to hear other people share their lived experience and share how they particularly how they have overcome um, their challenges. It's just always so inspiring. It's just I'm sure you you probably feel the same. It's just so it's such a privilege to hear people talk so openly and honestly and um, candidly. And yeah, I just wanted to put that all together in, in a book that people could have that people could hopefully yeah take some some wisdom from. I really like the fact that, you know, each piece in the, in the book is really different. Uh, everyone's got their own different ways of, of coping and of overcoming uh, struggles. And, and that's what I really like. Uh, I really wanted that to, to come out that just because one thing works for one person doesn't mean it will work for another person. And I think that's something I don't know about you, but with like, well, I hear it all the time in the mental health services, it's often a one size fits all, you know, it's like CBT or nothing and, and don't get me wrong like I've had CBT and it's been helpful but CBT isn't isn't for everyone so yeah I wanted to give something that I don't know includes a like a vast array of different 
strategies and ideas and tips and hopefully that's kind of what the book does it really does and it's a beautiful book as you said 101 voices different experiences different stages in people's experiences and different ways that they have learned to have hope or things that bring them hope so each of the contributors has kind of talked about how they have found hope or why hope is important to them and you wrote a list of 101 things that give you hope and we were just saying what an amazing thing to do over a couple of days is is write that list how was it putting this book together for you it was good i mean um it's been quite a challenging few years i've had a few relapses over the last few years and um it was just really nice to have people sending in their pieces all the time that i could read and and take something from when i was in a difficult place um every single piece is so different and i've learned something new in every single piece or gained something from every single every single piece and i think yeah that was really helpful in those really low moments and i think as well like with the book i want people to you know that if 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 a chapter is all you can manage for a day that's 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 fine that's great and even if you can't manage a chapter just you know some some chapters are shorter some chapters are longer we we kind of just want people to flick through the book and just you know whatever they land on if that feels right then then for them to 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 read it and yeah that definitely helped me when i was going through some difficult times in the past few years you know just picking things out from different pieces and and learning just just learning from other people again i just role models are so important for me um i think for all of us you know particularly when it comes to to mental health just learn so much from other people's insight and wisdom it's amazing i spoke to brit about it as well and there'll be a piece on happyful.com with um with brit but she was saying it's almost like a pick and mix we want people to be able to pick it up and take what they need from it at any given time and i really get that sense with the book it's it's the kind of thing you'd almost keep by your bed or on your coffee table and just pick it up every so often and read something different and helpful thank you so much for putting it together i think it's beautiful and you've done an amazing job so i'll make sure that that's all linked in the show notes and we're going to start with your i am which is I am always learning. Tell us more about learning, Johnny. Always, always learning, um, which is, I think, it keeps me going. I think when I was first unwell and, you know, growing up in my, in my teens when I was unwell, I didn't want to know. I didn't want to hear about mental health. Even in my 20s, I'm 34 now. Even in my 20s, I was very closed off to, you know, anything that came on the news about mental health I would just turn away I just didn't want to know because I was in denial I think for, for for a long time I just I knew I had mental health issues but I didn't want to deal with them so I was just completely closed off for such a long time um, to the world of mental health to yeah learning from from other people or learning about psychology or you know CBT I mentioned CBT before just completely completely closed closed off from it you know I, I remember having therapy my first time in therapy was when I was like 21 maybe and it was CBT and I just I didn't get anything from it because I just I wasn't open to it um whereas a few years later when I was in a a place where I had more acceptance for my you know my mental health issues I really did take a lot from that that CBT and so yeah now I, I'm always trying to learn again from other people you know, other people's experiences and um, what worked for them, what didn't work for them or how they dealt with something or, or how the symptoms that they have sort of manifest. I just find it so 
fascinating and, and everyone I just everyone's journey is so unique that's the thing no two journeys are ever the same when it comes to, to mental health they might have the same diagnosis but you know I, I'm really lucky I get to work with um, a lot of young people with with my charity we have our youth boards and I've learned so much from from them um, and it's amazing because they're in their teens 20s and they're so open and frank and honest and, and candid about their their mental health and you know me and my friends when we were in our teens and 20s never spoke about mental health so yeah I'm always learning from from them and and the things that they do I mean they're also creative and you know they'll make these TikToks on their experiences of, of, of mental health issues and I just I watch them and I just always learn so much I just think yeah I think as long as I keep my mind open and keep learning and keep discovering you know I think that keeps me keeps me well I think you know think. definitely learning is is really helpful for kind of maintaining that forward motion isn't it mm-hmm. continually gathering information and meeting other people and new experiences like you said and I think when you take on that experience Johnny you you definitely impart that to other people because I was thinking about the first time we talked and you were telling me you'd been abroad and you'd been talking to people in different countries about how mental health was viewed in those countries. And I remember you told me so much about, you know, if you look beyond the UK, you know, compared to where we were before, but there's still a lot to do, you know, there's no one universal view of mental health. So I think by you always learning, you, you help other people to take that learning on board as well. And you're doing that with Beyond. Do you want to tell us a bit about Beyond? Because you had a massive moment with Beyond earlier on this year, didn't you? Yeah. So, so Beyond is, is youth mental health charity. And yeah, in February, we did the UK's first mental health festival for schools and colleges, which, which went really well. We had over 1,200 schools and colleges that, that took part. You know, it was a day of all sorts of different activities. Yeah, it went really well. The schools loved it. Young people, teachers, families tuned in as well and watched and watched it. And now what we're doing is, um, well, we're actually at the moment, we're, we're trying to raise half a million pounds because we want to provide long-term support for these schools and colleges. You know, one day festival is not enough. We all know that. And the schools and colleges came back and they were like, well, that one day was great, but what, what, what more? We need more. So yeah, we're trying, to, we're trying to raise this fund and we're trying to match schools to their local mental health provision. And again, trying to put financial support in place for some of those schools to be able to bring that provision in because, I mean, they really need it. I mean, more than ever, you know, schools, colleges, young people, teachers, you know, te- we speak to so many teachers who are over- really overwhelmed because of the past year. And now this kind of, academic catch-up pressure I mean you know it's I don't know I do worry about the state of the mental health of, of our teachers I just don't think that it's being considered enough it's considered enough I don't think enough is being done so yeah so we're trying to now put the the help and support in place but we are essentially run by young people that's the way that we kind of want to want to be young people our youth board is at the heart and they make the decisions and yeah it's great to have you know their voices and you know their passion that that really keeps me going and that's one of your i am's which is i'm dedicated to young people's mental health Mm -hmm. tell us about how that came about and why it is so core to everything you do i mean i i understand completely but but what is it that drives you around young people's mental health yeah i i think it comes from my own experiences and you know growing up 
with mental health issues, but not, not ever dealing with them or not ever talking about them and really struggling. And, you know, for me, I was, I was five when my parents first took me to a psychologist and I don't know. So we knew that there was something there, but it still was a big taboo. And I, there was a lot of shame and guilt and not just for me, actually, but for my parents, there was a lot of shame around it. And, and again, guilt when I, I guess things imploded in my late teens and, um, you know, I ended up really unwell in hospital because I, you know, I didn't get the help and support. I didn't talk early enough. And if I know that if I'd have, you know, got what we call the early intervention, you know, I know that if I had some early intervention, it would have made a big difference, I think for me, but I didn't. And, you know, now hopefully trying to put in place that early intervention for the next generation, but there is so much work to do as, you know, as we always say, there's just so much um, that needs to change. With the charity, with the, with the youth board in particular, I feel like we can hopefully try and drive this, this change. And there's so many amazing youth mental health charities that we work with, Young Minds and Place to Be and the Anna Freud Centre, and they're all just doing such phenomenal stuff. And actually, you know, we're all part of the um, Coalition for Children and Young People's Mental Health, and they're amazing. And all the organisations that, that belong to the Coalition, it's just... We had a meeting actually last week, two weeks ago, and yeah, it's just it's it's fantastic to be part of part of that. You know, I, I just there's so much passion and energy and appetite for for change in in the youth mental health system. We just need you know the people at the top, the government, to take more action. But we'll get there hopefully. You will absolutely get there, and I think everyone involved should be so proud. And anything Happyful can do to support on counselling directory, mm-hmm. they absolutely will. We really appreciate everything you're doing. And I'm going to move back to you specifically. And your next I am is, I am prone to relapses. Can you tell us about that? I'm less ashamed to to admit now that I, you know, I'm prone to relapses. I think, again, there was a lot of shame. I think, you know, I remember my first relapse, there was was a lot of shame, uh, not just from me, but from people around me. No, I wouldn't call it shame. I'd call it, they were, people were saying to me, but I don't understand you. I thought you were better. I thought you, you know, I thought you were okay. And that was really difficult because I was like, well, you know, I, it's, it's a relapse. It's no different to, you know, like people in my family have had cancer and, you know, unfortunately the cancer, you know, has come back and, you know, you'd never say to them, oh, I thought you were fine now. You know, you'd just be much more empathetic and understanding. And yeah, I think, the first relapse, the second relapse even years ago was was tough because of that. And because of my own shame, I think, you know, around, oh, I shouldn't be, this shouldn't be happening to me. I should, I should have this all sorted now. I, I, sh- I should, it, basically this shouldn't be happening. That was like what I, you know, used to tell myself. But now it's different. I mean, my last relapse was um, last September um, and I was back in hospital. And it's very different now because you know, I'm very honest and open about it. And there's, there's no shame. I just, you know, it's just the way that my mental health is. And, um, as well, the people around me, actually, they, they get it now. And that really helps, you know, I'll, I'll say, look to my friends, I'll say, look, you know, I'm having a relapse. I'm back in hospital and they're just really understanding and really supportive. And there's no sort of like before questions of like, Oh, but, but why? Or, I don't stand or it's just very yeah everyone's really just really supportive and they know that you know when I came out of hospital in September I kind of took 
two or three months away from everything. And again, my friends, my colleagues really, really got that. You know, the fact that I maybe wasn't speaking to them. I didn't want to answer my phone for, for quite a while. And people really were okay with that. And that really helps, I think, you know, again, I think it's been a journey for all of us, for my family, for my friends, you know, learning about what I need when I'm having a, a relapse. And um, I feel very lucky because I know not everyone has that, you know, some some people, you know, it's, it's, it's much harder, but I do feel I've got a really supportive kind of network. And that makes, that makes all the difference, I think, particularly when you're struggling again, when you're having a relapse. Yeah, so things that things that things are different now. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's still really tough when you know have a relapse, and particularly if you know have to go back into hospital. And and the last time was really hard because of COVID and the restrictions in the hospital. Of course, that was so hard. Just you know, um, having to be alone in 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 the room and not having visitors and no one coming near to you and you know not go. Yeah, that was hard. But you know, again, very lucky with with the sort of. I've got, I've got an amazing psychiatrist now, fortunately. And that and it really makes all the difference having that having that support. It really does. Yeah. It's so interesting what you said about early reactions to relapses because I think one of the things we hear a lot and I hear a lot on this podcast is the expectation for mental health to be um to reach a conclusion that mm. you're unwell and then you have treatment or you start working with someone and then you're well and that's it. It's, and I think a lot of people who don't have an issue with mental ill health or experience mental ill health don't really understand that it's not a, a, an end-to-end process, that it's a, a lifelong process. And within that, there will be moments of highs and lows and, and it's never complete, it's never finite. Is that something you come across a lot? It's interesting because actually I've, I've come across that quite a lot talking to journalists uh, right. in the media, obviously not all journalists, but yes, uh, quite a lot, quite a lot that I've spoken to, you know, if, uh, you know, I, I did this uh, documentary a few years ago about the stranger on the bridge, the, the guy that stopped me when I was in a really bad place on a bridge. And, um, you know, after that, journalists would say to me, what? now everything's fine now for you and i'll be like oh hold on hold on <laughs> it's 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 not like it's, it's really not i always I, I often felt that journalists would just like to wrap things up in a neat little bow and and actually what really frustrated me was sometimes journalists and this is the minority this is uh, journalists would you know almost change my words to make it to make it different to make yeah as you say um to make it seem complete, my, like my journey was complete. Like now, Johnny's in a good place. Him and Neil, the, the stranger on the bridge, they're doing really well and they're off riding into the sunset. And um, that wasn't the case, particularly in the last few years, struggling with my, with, my, with my mental health. That really hasn't been the case. And it can be frustrating when, yeah, someone is trying to sort of complete your journey for you. Give you a Hollywood ending. Yeah, really, yeah. That can be quite challenging. I can understand that. And I think you counter that through your social media. You said you're very transparent about what's going on with you. And you will say, I'm coming off social media. I can't be in this space anymore. And you don't, you know, you have no obligation to tell people what's going on. But the more people who actually say, I'm finding this tough, I can't do this anymore. I think that is just as helpful as anything because the reality is we're not linear human beings. We don't turn up every day with the same mental state. And I think you you do that regularly. And it's, 
I note it and I find it really helpful because it really helps to know that it's not a finite process. You know, we will always have those ups and downs. And I wondered where you're at at the moment. I mean, social media has just been horrendous. Yeah, it really has. It really has. It's been really, I found it really increasingly challenging, actually, social media. Mm. Particularly Twitter. I mean, Twitter was always my kind of, I don't know, like go-to, like particularly when it comes to mental health and talking about campaigns or things in the news around mental health. But somehow, I don't know, I feel like it's changed and it's just, I, I get so nervous of getting into a conflict. I'm not very good at conflict, particularly on social media. Things get said, you know, in an instant and I feel like I've got to respond straight away. And then I say something that maybe I... I don't know, I regret or, yeah, I, I found it most recently, actually, well, just, just this weekend, I, I, uh, I found out, this is really horrendous, but I found out that someone has been um, using my profile and pictures on social media to scam people out of money. And that really was like, I mean, people have done that before, taken my pictures and my profile and it was in Spain last, last year, um, this, well, whoever it was, tricked um different different individuals into thinking that uh, that i was in love with them and now it's happened in in asia uh people using my profile pictures scamming people financially which just kind of i don't know that's really questioned everything for me really my what i do publicly what i do on social media my, my big thing is i just feel that social media platforms are not doing enough and i say this all the time and you know, the, the frustrating thing is that I'm, we, or the charity actually beyond, we're trying to do work at the moment with Instagram and Facebook and even Twitter, but things are so slow to change with these, with these platforms because I think they're such big organizations. And we talk to, you know, we talk to certain individuals in these companies, but to then have it filter out, you know, these, these people in these, the people at Instagram that we talk to at Facebook are so they are passionate about mental health and change, but then to try and filter that out around the whole organization, which is all around the world. It, it, yeah, it feels like a big task, but it's been interesting. I find it really interesting seeing what's happening on social media at the moment. I mean, I don't know if you saw Thierry Henry, you know, he, um, he posted this state, really strong worded state, strongly worded statement being like, I'm, I'm coming off social media because of all the, all the racism and I can't, I can't be on this anymore. And I strongly recommend everyone else does the same. And yeah, it was really sad, actually, really sad that people have to have to do that. But mm. something needs to change. Definitely noticed it more in the last kind of, I guess, the last year while we've been in lockdown, it feels like a lot of frustration and a lot of venom, as well as a lot of brilliant stuff has come mm. from social media. It's the double-edged sword, isn't it, with social media? Is I was just saying, when I see your posts, you know, I, they make me feel a certain way. But then, you know, I see someone, I'm not going to mention his name, who was on a morning TV show saying certain other things, and I'm full of rage. And it's not just what you read, it's the, the way it makes you feel. And it's, True. yeah, it's a, t it's a tough one to negotiate. And you're working with young people who are also trying to negotiate that more than we ever had to with, you know, all kinds of, I mean, there are so many platforms now. And, and I, you know, things like TikTok, I don't really even understand TikTok the way it works. I mean, a lot of the young people we work with that's their preferred platform is tiktok that's a, i don't know about you but it's really yeah I, I haven't got my head around tiktok yet but to be honest like again on, on a more positive note i feel like the young people 
that we work with, they feel more resilient. And I'm generalizing, I'm generalizing, but they feel more resilient because actually they, like the young people that we work with, don't really engage that much on Twitter. They're much more on Instagram, TikTok, and those platforms seem to have less the sort of conflict and the hate. I know there's, they, they exist on those platforms, but there's less of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, I feel more, I don't know, um, hopefully the next generation has a bit more of a better understanding of social media, how it works, how to deal with it. But, but there's, there's, there's not enough of it. We yeah. need more information. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And your I have is I still have so much further to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I, there's just so much that, particularly I think, you know, as a result of the, the year that we've had and being stuck indoors. I mean, you know, over the past few years, you know, since obviously, you know, finding Neil, the stranger on the bridge, we've done so much like work not just around the UK, but actually even abroad, we've been to various different countries. And then obviously that all stopped as soon as COVID happened. And it, it feels quite strange to, you know, I've been doing a lot with, with schools online and um, that's been really hard because, you know, when I go into schools in person, you, it's just not the same engagement when I'm doing things online with young people. Some schools won't let the young people have their cameras on. So you can't even see these young people's faces to interact with them. So I, I can't wait to just go back out there and yeah, go back to, to working directly with people. And there is so much that, yeah, want to do in terms of, well, in terms of mental health, in terms of making a difference. Um, and again, not just in the UK, but also, you know, I, I went to India a few years ago now and did some mental health work out there. And oh my gosh, there's, I mean, you know, there is a lot to do here as well that is just such a huge amount of work to do in countries like India. And so I would love to, you know, go back out there and do, do more work out there. Cause that's the thing. I mean, you know, if you think about the UK and yeah, all the change that needs to happen here, but then you think about, you know, every other country around the world and yeah, all the work that's, uh, that's got to take place in all these other countries, these cultures, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Jewish and I do a lot of work in the Jewish community. And even in the Jewish community, we've, come a long way but there's still so much further particularly within the orthodox section yeah. of our community i mean wow there's there's a lot of work that needs to happen and that's what that's what i mean when i say you know there's there's just so much more that you know i want to do that's still left to do yeah there's there's still a long a long way to go but you know in a, in a sort of hopefully in a, in a more positive way because i feel like you know things have really shifted in the, just the last few years in terms of mental health the way that we're talking about it more just even, yeah, just even in a few years, things I feel have really turned a corner. And if that can happen in just a few years, then, you know, what can happen in the next decade, 20 years, 30 years? So it's something to be really like positive about, I think. And I'm always, every time I meet you, I'm always astounded by how motivated and how positive you are about the work that you want to do, but also how much you've achieved in between each time I speak to you, you know, and I think the last time I saw you in person, you were going from place to place to place. You'd had so much going on. And I know before we started talking, you were saying, I can't wait to get out and do in person again. What do you want to do personally is the stuff that you have really missed that you'd love to get out and do as soon as lockdown lifts. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, on a personal level, going to places to like dance, <laughs> karaoke, just being with friends, you know, being with friends and even family, even like my nieces, just actually 
actually seeing them in person, being with them in person. I actually saw some friends over the Easter weekends and it was just so nice just to, you know, just to even sit with them and yeah, be physically in, in person with them. It was just yeah. so, I don't know, it was, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. And so I can't wait to, um, yeah, I can't wait to, to see friends properly, go, go out, go dancing, go, go to the beach. I can't wait to go to the beach again. Yeah. Go to the coast. Um, yeah, lots of things to look forward to. Lots of things to look forward to. And you mentioned karaoke there. I want to know what your karaoke <laughs> song is. Uh, probably, probably something, maybe something by Tina Turner, maybe Proud Mary. I'm beaming because I can't wait for that moment that we can all kind of get out and yeah it feels like it's time doesn't it for us to be able to to be out in the world and see people and also I don't know about you but I just feel it's all so much more precious now it's coming Johnny we'll we'll get there and our final question is if you could meet yourself in 10 years time sit down on a bench and have a have a chat with each other what do you hope is it 44 year old Johnny? Yeah, 44, wow, yeah. What do you hope 44-year-old Johnny would say to yourself now? I hope, I really hope that 44-year-old Johnny would say, I've been looking after my mental health more, I've been having less relapses, um, I'll, be more, I'll be more in control. I think that would be the, the number one thing, you know, that would be really nice, nice to hear. I don't know if it's possible, but it would be really nice to hear. Um, that, you know, he's just feeling settled and um happy i just i just think yeah i i i said the word in control i think yeah feel, feeling in control i think yeah the last few years in particular have felt mm, a bit out of control to be honest before the pandemic because you know as, as you said i was like it was our, our schedules were just so hectic like rushing from place to place to place to place to place and it did feel a bit out of control. And there was a point in the lockdown where I was like, oh, I feel more, suddenly feel more in control because I can't go anywhere. And, you know, I have to just, you know, be in this space. And I don't know, it felt some sort of stability. I think that's the word, stability. Yeah. More stability come back. And yeah, if I can meet 44-year-old Johnny and him say that, yeah, things have been stable, things have been more stable, I think that would be amazing. Um, I think everyone wants to feel stable, don't they? Um, stable and, you know, have a bit more control. When, I'm, when I feel out of control or unstable, you know, that's really, well, it's, it's just not a nice, not a nice place for, for me, for anyone. Yeah. So yeah, if, if, if older me can have some more stability, I think that would be amazing. Let's make a, a date to come back in 10 years time. Yeah, let's and do it. And have that conversation, see what's gone on in the last 10 years, like a reunion. Right. That sounds incredible. Johnny, thank you so much for today. Pleasure. Can you let people know where they can find you and tell us again about the book? Mm. Yeah. So uh, my website is just johnnybenjamin.co.uk. The book is called The Book of Hope and that's available online. You can get it, you know, all all sorts of different bookshops, Amazon, everywhere. Um, And yeah, out on April the 15th. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to I Am, I Have. Don't forget to download the free Happful app and we'd really love it if you could rate, review and subscribe to our podcast too. Before you go, I wanted to let you know that on the Happful app, we have information about where you can find mental health support, including the counselling directory. If you need immediate help, Samaritans are open 24 hours a day, 
seven days a week on 116-123 or you can email joe at samaritans.org. Help is available. This podcast is hosted and produced by me, Lucy Donoghue for Happiful. I hope you'll listen again soon.